But because of that, now if somebody said, well, it's made you who you are, be like, no, I made it. I made who I am. Life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. We get to decide what we want to be. Because sometimes all you have to do is be heard once and understood and accepted. Sometimes you came here to move that mountain. And, and, and I call it saying it forward. And I want to help people say it forward. That is the amazing and fun Lonnie Ray. And I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. I have a very energetic, eclectic, and really inspiring guest on. This is someone who's totally committed to the world around her, which is ironic as you hear her story because growing up and so much of the first part of her life, the world around her wasn't committed to her in any way, shape, or form. It was, uh, was kind of committed to making things difficult for her and making her feel unwanted. It's, pretty, it's a pretty gripping backstory. This is Lonnie Ray. When I interviewed her, she was going by Alexis, but she's, uh, she's changed the first name that she's using to Lonnie. So if you hear me reference Alexis during the interview, it's the same person. And I think if you understand, if you hear her story, you'll understand why actually she has chosen her first name, and that's changed. She's not going by the name that she grew up with. And if you kind of grab on to how she grew up, you'd understand why she doesn't want to associate with that. She had a pretty difficult childhood. And what's amazing to me, and the reason why I wanted to have her on the show is, despite that childhood, she's such a caring, giving, understanding, accepting, supporting person. And that's what's so interesting to me, is she's, she's such a great example of that path, that fork in the road that we can choose which way we want to go, despite what's behind us. That this day is not defined by the past days. Uh, Lonnie is, as she calls it, a verbal visionary, helping people discover the who that is you. She rhymes a lot. I love that. So what does that mean? It's helping people figure out the power within them, the story within them, and how to bring that out. So she's sort of like a master communicator, but as a coach to help others do that master communication, if that makes sense. She puts it much better than I do, and she gives us a really good overview of what she does and how she does it uh, right when the episode kicks off. She's an incredible person. The story twists and turns and winds. I heard her on another show and was totally enthralled, but also at times had trouble following it. And we talked about this, um, I don't think in this episode, I think it was offline, uh, on a follow-up call the next day, what is the chronology of her story? And actually, does that matter or not? But you'll hear the story. Yeah, it bounces around a little bit. There are points where it's hard to follow, but I think that's kind of the point. Her life was hard to follow when she was living it. And so you shouldn't be able to like clearly map that out and clearly understand it and you know have it all like a, a clean-cut outline of a story because that's not the experience. So if you feel like, wait, what? What just happened? Where did this person come in? Who is that? That's the point. And if you think about growing up with that kind of disjointedness, 
on top of everything else she experienced, all the trauma that came with it. Again, you'll be amazed at who Lonnie is today and how she gives to others. That should be an inspiration for you. Think about your own struggles and whether you're rising above them and choosing who you are. As she gets into that, that they don't, these experiences don't make us who we are. We choose who we are. That is super inspiring and empowering. And she is spot on. So it's a longer episode, uh, but that's a good thing. There's a lot to come out. Stick with it. Find yourself kind of amazed at what she's been through. But in that last like 20 minutes or so, we really get into the power that she learned through that experience and how she's helping others bring that forward. So let's jump in with Lonnie Ray, a.k.a. Alexis Ray, same person. I didn't want to go in and re-record saying her name a bunch of times, uh, but it's, it's all her, um, and she's pretty amazing. So let's jump into the show with Lonnie Ray. It has been, I don't know, a long time in coming, and yet the time flew. Oh my God, I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> I think it's, it's like, in the grand scheme of life, it wasn't a long time, but it feels that like there's a lot of energy around getting to this. So it, like looking yeah. back, it's only a few weeks, but it definitely felt like a grind to get to this point. I had a lot going on and was desperate to get you on the show, but I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, you know how to make a girl purr. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, before yeah. I feel any more, um, like before I blush anymore, we could yes. just move on. <laughs> yes. What give, give people like the the high level thirty second um, blurb about who you are today, if that's you know just kind of like where you're at. But then then we'll get fun and we'll dig into what in God's name got you there in the first place, which is a whole lot more, and and obviously the reason why you're here. All right. I'm a verbal visionary. I help people to master their message that is backed by their mission. It is driven by the tagline that I help people to discover the who that is you behind the what that you do and the how being your special sauce. So I help people to bring their special talents to uh, whatever platform they want to do, whether it's TEDx or in-person presentations or speeches or to podcasts or even just standing at the bank so that they can find a way to open a conversation that feels authentic and develops a rapport that actually matters to them later. Okay. Okay. I'm completely blown away. Um, Because I I ask everybody this at the start, like give us a little, you know, whatever rundown and, um, and even like, People who are, you know, their whole career is on, uh, like coaching people through, th- and they still can't do what you just did. That is the most succinct, clear, but also totally natural. Like that would seem really genuine, and yet really well. Th- uh, uh, the the who that is you. I'm still like I'm trying to write yes. this down. Verbal visionary and the who that is you. Yes. Um, I like yes. we can just end there. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Um, but Thanks, we won't. Brian. That is a uh, really I'm pretty well sure put. that Dr. Seuss is somewhere in my bloodline or lives in my head or something. I have a tendency to make things rhyme. Yeah. And uh, I don't require it of my clients. I just enjoy finding something that's catchy. Um, like my tagline for my company, Promotional Angles, is you need to have an angle if you want yeah. to have an edge. And uh, it's both literal and entertaining. You know? It's really clever. Thanks. But I'm also waiting for you to rhyme again now. I feel like I'm on the lookout for it. Um. <laughs> You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be worth my salt if I didn't come out with something that blew you away, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right. So th- here's the deal. Um, we we both ended up connected through the uh, the ridiculously human 
humans. I'm still trying to think of a, a more succinct way to refer to them. Dynamic. Um, yeah, Gareth and Craig, uh, two awesome guys. Uh, yeah. They put out my episode and your responses to it. I was like, I need to listen to hers. And uh, I have to say, I've heard some pretty unreal, amazing, twisting, turning stories in my journey, uh, both on this show, but otherwise, you know, people that I coach and whatnot. And as I was listening to yours, this, along with my friend Mark Crandall, was one of those where I was like, how is this person here today? Um, um, yeah, and, you know, maybe that's a lot to hear on your end. I don't know, but it, it I, I was true. like multiple times I was completely floored. Uh, so first of all, like honor and respect to you for not just being alive today, but thriving in the giving back way that you are, because it doesn't have to be that way. You know, I think you're such a great example of it being a choice, right? Like you, you don't have to end up this way. And the cards were certainly stacked against you. Um, but you did it anyway. And that's like, that's why you're here. That's why I want to, want to tease all this out from you. I was pretty blown away. So, um, I don't know how back is too far back because it kind of started day one with you. But like, what's can we go through your backstory? Yeah, whatever you like, Brian. I'm, yeah. I'm an open book. I'm... It's the, the family you're born into. Can you paint the picture? Yeah, it uh, it seemed normal. Um, I, I mean, but I was really young when um, my mom and my real father divorced. Uh, it was probably right on the heels of him trying, my real dad trying to suffocate me with a pillow to stop me from crying after he spanked me so hard it left handprints. And I uh, didn't, of course, I don't remember this, but uh, it's probably why I, I have uh, sort of a diversion to um, shocking orange red hair, because that's my father. But I love him dearly, God rest in peace, whatever, uh, all that stuff. Uh, you know, I don't remember that moment, but... Yeah. Uh, Right, right after that is when my mother um, and he weren't getting along anyway. And uh, so the family that I knew was my stepfather and it was, it was seemingly normal childhood. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I ask you one thing about your dad though? Absolutely interrupt anytime. So was he, was he uh, like sane and not on anything when he did this? Was this That's a conscious sane decision or was he, you know, on something or? This is just that's, what he thought no, was normal. That's a, that's a great question. Um, he was a, a temper-ridden man. Mm. And he, I guess, was hanging out with his girlfriend, and I wouldn't stop crying. I don't know which preceded, the hand marks on my on my body yeah. from him slapping me or trying to be, you know, shut me up. I'm not yeah. sure which one. Um, he had a wild temper. Yeah. Um, but he was also, and from what I understand, if, and it's really hard to discern now, uh, I, I will never know the truth between my, my parents who did sure, what, sure. um, but he did seem to have more patience than my mother, uh, except that when he didn't and yeah. And, okay. and, yeah. and the, the, and those two had such a heated, heated thing going on. She was cheating on him and he was having her followed by a, a private detective and the private detective came in when she was allegedly holding a gun to kill him. So, um, as a, as a wee tot, I saw a lot of violence. Yeah. God. And fortunately, the PI broke in the door and yeah. she didn't kill him. Wow. So, there, yeah, there must have been a lot really bad between them. So, so then, how, uh, how old were you when, when this event with him and you happened? I was two and a half. Okay. Maybe two. I, 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 it so was you've been told. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So your mother takes him out of the picture. You're with her and your stepfather. Correct. Or the man who becomes your stepfather. Yes. Yeah. And we moved to New Jersey. We moved from Florida to New Jersey. 
Um, my, uh, my childhood at that time seemed like normal stuff. I didn't have any reason to think it wasn't. There wasn't that I can remember. So there were happy times and going to the zoo and being a normal kid. Mm. Uh, I've kept, I have one photograph. I literally have one photograph of my entire life from the past and it's hanging up on my wall. And it was when I was a toddler and I, I was smiling and I look at that picture every day and I'm like, okay, well, she's back. She's oh. back. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the childhood with Maurice, my stepfather yeah, um, was okay until the twins were born. Um, this is your mother and his kids. Yeah. So one of the twins was his. Ah, okay. Twist. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. Yeah. So when the twins were born, uh, my mother let me know that they had different fathers. So I'm seven and I'm taking this in. Like, I don't really know what to do. with Yeah. This what is mom. a seven year old going to do with that information? That doesn't even make sense. That, yeah, yeah. So that's my mom. Really, really boundaryless, inappropriate sharing. And, um, yeah, so what, what had happened was she, she, she not long after that shared with me that they were, she was looking to get divorced from him. He lived. So what was normal to me? Okay. It wasn't a happy little household. No. He was in and out of the house. He had girlfriends. I can still picture him with one of them. And I thought, okay, that, I guess that's what, what grownups do. I don't know. Um, but she shared with me that she was going to get divorced from him, uh, except that then she found out she was pregnant. Uh. Um, apparently she was playing around with, I, I know that she had something for his best friend. So that may be who Matthew is, whose dad, that's his dad. I don't know. She's in the medical record books, um, which is really an odd thing. I can't even pronounce the word for it. Um, as to when a woman drops a second egg and gets pregnant. Yeah. That's what happened. Wow. So, <clears throat> yeah. So they stayed the pregnancy so that the, the younger one would have a chance to mature. He ended up staying in an incubator for a while. Wow. And so then, that's how they knew which was which. Yeah, they're not identical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, which one is, is Maurice's and which one isn't? You can really look at them. And you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. It is. Yeah. And, and like you said, like seven years old or whatever. Um, yeah. These are not things that you can fully comprehend, but they're defining your sense of, like you said, like this is what adults do. Like your sense of normal your sense of, you know, you said like you grew up a pretty good life and then, you, you know, what other people, like I, I, I interviewed someone who was homeless multiple times growing up. He's like, I had a pretty good childhood. We were homeless a few times. I'm like, it's just interesting to, the, you know, like the, the basis that we pass those judgments on what we think is normal, what we're okay with. Yeah. So what I'm referring to are, are, you know, feeling spoiled as a kid at Christmas time and, um, feeling like, some some sort of pattern was in we had cookouts almost every weekend yeah so there was some sense of normalcy like television honestly brian it was tv shows being on on a regular time mm. that that created some routine in my life interesting uh the harder part was that i had I, both my mom and my stepdad were narcissistic bullies and so being in, uh, you know, as little as I was, and we're all sensitive, we all want to fit in, right? I had freckles and big freckles and, and uh, I needed braces. And then I had eyeglasses and I, I was looking at fashion at that era, in that wow. age. I was so young. And I chose these sky blue cat eye 
eyeglasses and they were just so wicked cool. And my mom was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, that's what's in right now. So this would have been 1970. And I just thought it was so cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, kids can be cruel. Yeah. And um, so there would be some teasing and I'd come home and I would get it worse, like really mocked. And why don't we see some really big alligator tears now? Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's see it. Just really mean. And I, I learned, later learned, Brian, that Maurice was the younger in, of two in his family. His older brother would get milk in his thermos and Maurice would get water. And apparently in the Jewish tradition, the oldest son, the firstborn son is the favored son. And that is exactly how it got played out. And so maybe he felt like he could take it out on, on me. I don't know, but wow. he did. Yeah. 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 So, you know, shit runs downhill, doesn't it? I'm, <laughs> so, I'm the younger boy in a Jewish family. And so now I'm like, wait a second. What, what did I think was okay? Like, what was he getting anyway? Right, right. Well, Sorry. You know, his, it's okay. Uh, my, his father, my step-grandfather, chased us around the yard with an axe because we were in the garage one too many times when we were told not what? to. Like, they terrified us. Wow. And, um, yeah. And this Seriously. is in New, New Jersey. Yeah, this is okay. in Jersey. Seriously terrified us. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And then um, just about a year, I think about a year after the twins were born is when Maurice molested me. And, oh. uh, yeah. I didn't understand that whole thing. And um, yeah, my, uh, thank God my, I learned later because I didn't remember any of this, right? It was therapy that taught me like, these are some symptoms that you're having. And I yeah. stopped seeing the therapist immediately. I was scared to death. I was like, are you kidding me? I can't handle one more thing. I'm already yeah. a sprag, right? Yeah. Uh, but my, I, I looked up at my old childhood friend and she said, we saw the change in your behavior. That's why we, got you out of that house as much as we could oh wow i know right yeah so this is before people said anything yeah but you yeah. had friends who knew something wasn't right and were looking out for you they did they took me everywhere yeah they got me out of the house as much as they could but when and, and thank goodness they did because i really did become mini mom it was the one way i could you know try to jump through a hoop and win some affection yeah, yeah. oh god yeah. see there's this what I heard on on Gareth and Craig's show was so much, and I was like, "There's probably more, but there can't be that much more." But there is. Yeah, there is. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and I I was ashamed of of um you know I thought that's what you did, and so I like went to my little brothers and I was like, I guess this is what we do, and my little brothers were like so young they're like this <laughs> you know? oh. and i was like oh, okay i won't do that um i really didn't understand what was happening yeah um so yeah the innocence was gone and yeah. um and then having to grow up really quickly uh because we uh, we moved back to florida um and then uh then my mom and maurice you had divorced down there. how how old were you when you guys moved back down I was 11. So this is all really fast yeah. from that seven up through moving back down. Yeah. There's a lot in a little time. It was. It really was. Didn't understand any of it, really, especially when my mom shared with me that she was going to put a hit out on Maurice. Um, I didn't understand. I didn't know. Right. Thanks, mom. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm completely. Really yeah. I'm baffled. Yeah, so I I didn't know until later when Maurice's um his brother actually turned him in for being a cocaine dealer. 
And some, it's funny how people are in, in life. They just assume certain roles. And according to Maurice, he was immediately the kingpin in prison. He went to prison for 10 years and he was the guy, he was the man. He was the one that ran everything, supposedly. And I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. He's the one who took your food money. He's the one who ran, you know, like we've seen the movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was that guy. Knowing what you know of him now, are you surprised? Not at all. No. No, not at all. Did it feel that way in the household? Like it was Maurice's show? Well, yes. When he was there. Yes. It was definitely Maurice's show. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he was super inappropriate. Um, so he didn't have any boundaries either. Yeah. Um, so whatever he said, whatever he wanted to wear or not wear around the house, like not tie his robe or, yeah. you know, whatever. I didn't understand why that's happening. Um, yeah, he, he pretty much did whatever he wanted. And that's, I guess, what grownups did. That's what we thought. You know, didn't know. Yeah. Mm. The fortunate thing, the relief that came as, because after the twins were born, all hell broke loose. Yeah. My mother was a stress case. And uh, thank goodness, every Sunday, they dropped us off at the movies. It did not matter what movie it was. They dropped us off. And we were glad. We would get on some kind of bus to go to some kind of church. Yeah. For some, to just, and, and yeah, just I was out. so grateful. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll never forget it. See, my, my escape still to this day, my passion is music. And I would go down into this finished basement that we had. Now, this is back in the day when waterbeds had just come out. We were just so cool. We were so cool. We had like this uh, filigree, bright bordello red blocked wallpaper. And and we had right, we had the very first waterbed ever, which is a big sack of water. And it yeah. was stone cold and no baffles in it. It just, you know, it was ridiculous. And um, we had speakers that flashed. And I would wow. go down there and imagine myself to be a dancer someday. And one of the uh, one of the hot tunes of the time, really one of the hot albums, was Jesus Christ Superstar. And so I knew all the words. Mm-hmm. And I, I was nine. I really didn't quite understand it all, but I knew it. And so when they dropped us off, it was my brother. So I would have been nine. Uh, he was eight. And and some some man in the theater <laughs> to see this three hour movie. And I was just thrilled. I was always always loved film. Always loved television. Always loved music. So those were my my ways out. So you had another brother other than the twins. Yes. Okay. And that was yes. from the same your father as well. So it was a full yeah. 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 Um and in fact we called him Daddy Don. Now I didn't know Maurice wasn't my father. Oh um, wow. and, and, right. No clue until one day I was taken over so Maurice was a beautician and a mortician, which is totally gross, but whatever. I mean I guess it's useful uh, to I have guess both, so. yeah. Uh, he, um, he did my hair up in these pigtails and, and, uh, I was pretty much dressed up and kind of plunked on the front porch, um, told that daddy Don was coming to take my brother Dane and I away for the weekend. And hang on, hang on. What? (laughs) What? Who? Who? Uh, yeah. Daddy Don, he's your real daddy. Tried to kill you when you were a baby. Have a nice weekend. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that, so that really happened. And I remember sitting in the back seat of the car with my hair and pigtails, clutching my brother's hand and just crying with fear. Like, oh my God. The only thing you know about him is that little bit that he tried, like. Yeah. Yeah. 
I have nothing to say. Like this is, uh, I'm not doing a very good job as an interview because I'm so just totally baffled and confused and yeah. Yeah. It's mind boggling. I know. And I keep like, aside from myself, I keep going to thoughts of my own child and you know, different ages and what his comprehension was. And if someone put him in that kind of situation, it's not just the situation, it's the decades. And that's, that's the piece that I keep coming back to for you is seeing what you do now, seeing how well you do it and who you are. Um, that's what's so like, it didn't have to be that way. And if you hear the story, it kind of shouldn't have been that way yet. It is. That's the like that's the power in you that I'm so intrigued about because this is just insane. Like this story is it's too much, and we're barely. I mean, you're barely like ten years old in the story now. Yeah, yeah. It was really really shocking. Uh, we quickly learned though that my dad was he had some money and he liked to spoil us, and so I got used to the idea of Daddy Don coming. But you know, fifty fifty maybe. It was more like. 80 20 he would actually show up when he said he was going to so so i'd just sit there with my hair and pigtails again waiting for daddy don to show up and sometimes he wouldn't most of the times he wouldn't and and then eventually he would so yeah what, um, what was he doing instead just not showing up or was so he... he uh my dad was was a traveling salesman okay. and so he would have maybe trade shows or things would happen along the road on the road i guess yeah and and his girlfriend karen um, she was beautiful. She was a model. I really liked her. And she would come with him. And sometimes he just didn't make it, maybe couldn't make it. I don't know. You know, looking back now, I'm I'm just glad that he even tried. Yeah. I think he knew how wacko my mother was. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. And there were no I, cell phones back then, so he couldn't have called to let you know he wasn't gonna make it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved to Florida and the hit was never taken out on Maurice, which is a relief. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was all really, really traumatic trying to figure out why Maurice is no longer with us and what are we doing here? Yeah. What's this about? And I remember it being an especially difficult night uh, for, for me. I was probably 11, like I said, when we moved there. Uh, Maurice was around for a minute and then he wasn't. Uh, and I was laying in bed and there was no breeze that night, none. And I was just desperate. I was calling out because all this, I'd been to temple, I'd been to churches, I'd been, I mean, it was a mixed bag. But I had this core belief and I was testing it that night, Brian. And I said, Jesus, if you exist, um, and I'm making it up, right? Make the curtains blow. And I was waiting, right? And the curtains went, and they blew. And I said, ah, oh, it's a flu. Mate, do it again. Do it again. And they did it I, two more times. I chested and the curtains blew two more times. And these still nights of Florida, that was really remarkable. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, I got it. We're good. Wow. <laughs> and as little as I was at that time, I look now at an 11-year-old and I'm thinking, wow, like that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Testing the system, so to speak. Wow. But also, yeah. but looking, looking for guidance, help. support, help. help. Uh, yeah. Like a, a, a reason. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, because you know, one of the things that you've probably heard, maybe you didn't, I don't know, but when I was eight, I took a bunch of baby aspirin. It was a cry for help. And this was when we were still in Jersey and I was so scared and I knocked on my parents' door and it took them a long time to answer. Mm. And then they just yelled at me through the door. What do you want? Just go back to bed. And I, I think there's still this part of me that I, I need to work on that, actually. Yeah. There's still this deep, deep sadness that they really didn't give a shit. Or maybe it wasn't scary enough. It wasn't, you know, it was baby aspirin, but it was a lot. Yeah. And, and then I got scared and they didn't care. So that message that I wasn't wanted. And I had started packing my bags back then, Brian. I was packing my bags to run away. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? Sit in the woods for a few days. And when I come home, I'm going to get in more trouble. I just knew I, I had to get out somehow, somehow. I just didn't know how. Yeah. That was, that was you know, very early in life. Gotta go. TikTok, baby. <laughs> yeah, that feeling of um, not being wanted, not being heard, not being cared for. Like as a child, that's such a, a definitional kind of feeling. Like yes. someone is here for me because you're too yeah. young to be there for yourself. Yeah, it's true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it really felt that way. It was it was bad because I, I didn't have a stable hero. I didn't have anybody that I could count on. My koala bear was my best friend. You know, I really clung on to koala and I took care of the twins. In mm. fact, they were they were the first ones to say, well, sis, you raised us. Like yeah. we remember that you're, you're mom. Yeah. You know, so I didn't really get to have a childhood like normal, but kind of, I did. Yeah. Wow. I, anyway. Did Maurice, how was he towards the twins? I don't remember. I don't remember. I mean, I assume he knew one of them wasn't his. Yeah. And, um, I didn't, I didn't share any, I didn't share that deep, dark secret yeah. that I knew about until, about three years ago, I was hanging out with the youngest of the twins, which is probably, you know, an external dad. We'll call him Ray's son because mom had a crush on Ray, Maurice's best friend. Um, so I actually shared it with him. And he, he just looked at me and he said, thank you for telling me, sis. It makes sense now all this time. It makes sense why Maurice doesn't treat me right. And I was like, well, Matt, you're also like a street urchin drug addict you know, kind of leaning on him a lot when you, you know, really falter. He said, yeah, but it, it's never been the same, sis. It's never been the same. And now yeah. I know why. Oh, it really gave him a sense of relief. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm like, where, where do we go with this? Uh, know, right? We haven't even hit your teenage years, which is like normally when everything falls apart for people. Is like you know the tough teenage years. What what did happen in your teenage years? Maurice is out of the picture, right? I, yeah, Maurice was out of the picture, and I want to share something with you that happened when I was twelve. Yeah, we were there was a hurricane out over Cuba. The waves were going over the pier, so got the picture. Big ass waves. Okay, we my brother Dane and I rode our bikes to the beach, which was closed, and that uh, lifeguard George was there. Just George. We knew George. George knew us. We were at the beach a lot and he offered to take us out because we thought we would do some cool like raft body surfing kind of stuff. Well, there was no way. Those waves were huge. And George got us past where the waves were breaking and into the swells, which was well beyond where the fishing pier was. And I was getting seasick. So I came back in. I said, I'll be, I'm going to go in. I'll see you guys when you're done. 
And as I was coming back in, Brian, the um, there's an undertow, a severe undertow. As the, as the waves are pulling away from the shore, the, the big ones are coming in. And I and I got tripped up and I fell and kind of got washed over and tried to stand up, and but I stumbled. And then another one came. And then all, I mean, I couldn't make up, figure out, had, had up, you know, I couldn't figure out anything. All I knew was salt water, lots of bubbles, lots of power in these waves. And, and I was, you know, panicking. And then a third one came and there was just no way I could figure out what was, which end was up. And in that moment, I remembered all those, all those different Bible classes and all that stuff. And I, and I said, well, I guess what's supposed to happen? Oh, hey, there it is. There's my little life. There's my little life flashing before my eyes. There's supposed to be a tunnel. Oh, there's the tunnel and there's the light. And I looked over to my right, Brian, like in my head, because my eyes weren't open, but I could see all of this happening. And it was so cool because all the fear was gone. Mm -hmm. And this is a really important story. I want to share this with you for a reason. So what happened is when, when those moments happen and you literally do pull out of your body, there's no more fear. It's only peaceful. It's so nice. It's so nice. And I was like, I felt like I was being pulled by my heart, like my arms were back by my chest. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, there's no fear at all. Yeah. And, and I accepted that I was, I was done. And as painful as life had been so far, that really wasn't a bad option to me. Yeah. And I was kind of grateful especially since it was easy. It's easy to die. And then all of a sudden I get yanked up. I got yanked up by someone. Now this beach was closed. Okay. There was nobody there except us. And this person walks me to the shore and for all intents and purposes, considering that I just had a near death experience, probably should have needed resuscitation, but it didn't happen. I didn't need it. And they just, and it was, it was a man, I, I, and he sat me down and he said, are you okay? You okay? You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I watched him walk down the beach to my left and disappear, Oop, gone. And then I looked out at the waves and I realized what had just happened. Like really what had just happened? It was as if my hu humanity, like my human self really just caught, caught uh, uh, the grasp of this. And that's when I got scared. That's when wow. I cried. That's when I was blown away and I was like, oh, I almost just died. And then I realized I didn't really want to die because, but it was really pleasant that knowing that, and this is why I brought it up, Brian, knowing that death is not a bad thing. It's actually like you get lucky because it's really hard to live. Um, and we're trying to make the best of it while we're here. God knows we are, no pun intended. Um, the experience of fearlessly you're like you're it's fearless like when you go when you go it is so fine it is so okay and that's not what made me a daredevil or an adventurer it's not like i said well you know screw it if i'm gonna die i know what that's like i'll just go jump off you know cliffs i'm not that person yeah but i have this knowledge that most people they from what i hear i mean most people are running you know they're, they're afraid to live and they're afraid to die and i'm not that person that was a pivotal pivotal moment in my life Oh. I'm so glad I had that experience. So glad. I could yeah. see how it could teach a lot. Yes. And and for you, probably you needed a cycle break. A cycle break. Yeah. And that that was certainly one. Yes. Like something to really just freeze everything 
take all this noise that you've been that's been thrown at you and just let you see more clearly what you should and shouldn't be afraid of and just give you the space to see capability for a change instead of having, I mean, just the things that were thrust upon you. And, and really, I didn't know any different. I didn't know it wasn't supposed to be like that. Yeah. I just knew that the it's like compounding interest, though, over time. It really started to bring me down. Yeah. You know, you can take, a, you know, the, the majority of my life had already been, you know. Yeah. But you compound that with what happened later. And, you know, how, how messed up my mom really was when we were 13, we were told that she had a nervous breakdown and we had to go live with daddy Don. And I remember by that age, I was, I really, I hated her as much as she hated me on my 13th birthday. She declared that I was now going to become a selfish, self-centered little bitch. Happy birthday. And I was like, what? yeah, she said that to me. Yeah, no. And then she had this nervous breakdown. Turns out that she attempted suicide. Um, she was in the backseat of the car as we were being driven to South Miami to go stay with my father. And I thought she was asleep. And I said, Dane, what if we just like put our fingers over her nose holes? Like, and she just, she never opened her eyes. And she goes, I heard that. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, well. Oh, well. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. Like, wishing my mother would just die because yeah. she was such a source of pain. Yeah. Oh, but I stayed with my dad and when uh, both of us did. And when my mom recovered from her nervous breakdown, as we were called, we told, uh, I went right back to the house with her and my brother stayed with, with our dad. Is that what you wanted? I didn't want to leave. I didn't want my brother to go away. I really, I really, he was my best friend. What I didn't get was how my dad was such a regimented, oh, and he, poor man. I mean, he's, I don't, I don't mean to make him out like, oh, poor guy. But all of a sudden his kids are, are thrust onto his doorstep. He has a one bedroom apartment in South Miami. Mm. And we're trying to figure out how to make this work out. Yeah. And so me going back to stay with my mom was kind of like, it was probably the easiest decision. Yeah. Plus all my friends. I mean, I was in junior high school by then. And, yeah. you know, I really didn't want to change schools. Yeah. How long I, were you there with him? Was it just months or was this years? It, it was just months. We okay. had to change schools again. Yeah. I've moved, I moved more times than I was 20 when I was 20. Yeah. And, you know, I moved a lot, but uh, changing schools down and living down in South Miami was not exactly where I wanted to be. Okay. I tried, yeah. but, you know, it was easier to go back. And uh, be reunited with at least something stable, like yeah. friends that I knew. So, yeah. But, uh, that you know, it's still hell on wheels every day. Sure. Not, you know, put my hand on the doorknob and just feel an absolute fear from my tailbone and run out the top of my head, not knowing what in the world I was going to walk into today. Alexis, did, did this pattern ever break? Like, what got you out of it? Out of what? This This cycle with your mother and the things that you went through in life in in her universe so so uh that's a great question brian she i i was such a good kid like i put i gave her a note like dear mom barbara gave me permission to stay with her and her mom until 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 uh high school graduation it's only like two and a half months away or whatever three months right and i'm I'm gonna go do that because my dad had given me a car and so i i took a backpack and my, my homework 
and I wrote a note and I went to Barb's house because mm-hmm. I had had it. I yeah, sure. had it for shit. Yeah. And, and within, I don't know, no time at all. She was at the door with Doberman's and the sheriff's department. And she said, you're, you're coming home or you're going to juvenile. Which one is it? And so I went home and in, in, in the morning, she said, you're leaving this house with only the clothes you have on your back. Get out. You're going to live with your father. And so I went back in my room and I put on a bunch of clothes underneath my overalls. Yeah. And, and I was done. I had to leave. So that's how I started over the, with brother. Yeah. The things that she did to you with such regularity, I mean, just screams mental instability. Like you said, narcissism. Um, it's like if she hates you so much, why, when you go, does she do what she does to bring you back? She didn't. Uh, she didn't want to bring me back. She wanted to get rid of me. Well, Barb's and the situation at Barb's house. It's like she, she didn't care. She, she was going to hold the upper cards. Uh, it's about and, power. Yeah, and uh. then so when I was down at my dad's, I was driving back and forth. It was about forty-five minutes. It was only a few months from high school graduation, and I. I wanted to finish out and I had my a car. So I was doing yeah. that. And then um, one day my dad called me and he said, your mother is at your school withdrawing you right now. You have to go to school down in Coral Springs. And I was like, really? Like dad. right at the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Got to start a brand new school in March and we graduate in June. So yeah, she just wasn't going to have it. It's wicked. She just was. She really just hated me. She did. And and I, I didn't see her for years and years. And then I finally did see her. And I was glad. It was a nice little visit. And she gave me a book for the plane ride home. And it was called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Yeah. And that opened my eyes to a metaphysical world. And it and it gave me hope that there somehow like there there could be the life won't always suck so bad. You know? It just surely there's hope because if it's going to be like this and then there's people, Brian, along the way that they, they think they're, they're helping. And I hope that if I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings when I say this, because people mean well, but don't ever say to somebody, oh, she did her best. Oh, he did his best. No, they didn't. You don't do your best when you abuse a child. No. That's not your best. They did what they did. And then people were like, oh, well, it made you who you are today. And I said, you know, I really hate you for saying that. You are who you are in spite of. Can you imagine who who I would have been otherwise? Come on, give me a break. Are you really just trying to make excuses for them or make me feel better by excusing them? I'm not sure which one it is, but, you know, a narcissist will have you convinced that everything's your fault. So not only did I have some really whack self-esteem, a lot of guilt. Yeah. A lot of guilt had to yeah. be cleared up. Yeah. God. Not my fault. No, it isn't. Um, and I, I can't imagine anybody listening would presume anything. Like, this started before anything could have been your fault. And Correct. the pattern just, I but mean, it's before you exist. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's very clear to me. You're not, you're not to blame for any of this. Hmm. Well, when people say, uh, and they do mean well, you yeah, know, yeah. They, they do. Please, God, please don't do that. Don't yeah. say that to somebody. Yeah. You don't know what, they, what they've been through, and it doesn't mean that it's helpful to them. Right now, at this age, now fast forward, at this age, Brian, 
Um, I've adopted some philosophies on life and the role that people play in our lives. And I'm, I've actually applauded my mother's role because I believe in pre-birth agreements and conversations that we have. And like, I'm going to meet you down there and I'm really going to fuck with you. And I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to learn something from it. Wow. Look, we get to tell ourselves whatever story we want. Sure. I'm choosing that one. And so this and- is that power of choice. Yes. Like there's a number of choices you've made to create this yes. woman you are today. So here's, here's one of the key ones. Yes. Yes. Where did and you I get? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I just literally applauded. Like you were so good. You were just so good. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I even wrote her an email because, oh, 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 I did hear from her. I heard, from, I got a missed call from my mother. Um, so it's been about three years now. This happened two months ago, Brian. I got a missed call and, and I had been going through my stuff and I, I still have many things that she, she took the time and lovingly made for me. And we've, we've had times when we laughed and laughed and we had a friendship and, and then it would fall apart and because mm. she would start picking on me again. Anyway, uh, I, I was going through Christmas stuff and I was like, oh, there's this and there's that. And I hang on to it. Right. And then I get this missed call. And for days I'm ruminating. I'm like, oh, my God. I missed a call and I was typing this long text message that said, I have this and I found that and I still love the blanket that you made for me. And then something in me said, no, and I erased all of it. And I texted back and I said, I see that I missed a call from you. And her response was not a phone call. It was a text message. And she said, I was changing from one phone to the other, moving contacts. As we used to say at Ma Bell, pardon the ring. That was it. Very loving. Don't you think? That's a winner. (laughs) I I feel, I really feel for her. She had over, over the years had said to me, we have admired, she, she remarried again. And she said, we have admired the travel that you've done. We've admired all the things that you've done from afar. And, and uh, just quietly one time she said, next lifetime, I'm not having kids either. It's like, I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, you cursed us so many times just for being born. You know, if it wasn't yeah. for you, not to have kids. I'm like, what? You would have had a better life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry again. I'm so sorry. Yeah, look what you did, Alexis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. uh, I was going to ask you if she's still alive. So obviously, she is. Uh, I don't know. She could have passed away. I won't know. Yeah. So that's mm. the state of your relationship with her. Yes. Do you know anything of her story? to know what what led to her being that way i don't really know i know that she was adopted Hmm. um and and you know what's interesting brian is is that my mother went and learned how to be she she had a she had a knack for being intuitive and she went to casadega which is a city in florida its nickname is psychicville and she lived there for six years and became so people who have gifts and paths, whatever it is, they don't get to pick what it is. And she, she learned that she has a gift for being a medium. And I, I really made some assumptions that were wrong. And all of, I've studied metaphysics. I'm, I like have a, I like have a PhD in rotational physics and, and making that up because I could turn, I've turned around so much. And uh, the, the metaphysics is such a big part of that. And so she's there and she's studying and I am too on the side, you know, I don't yeah. really talk to her and I'm, and I'm, I'm having all these ahas and finally life has meaning and it, 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 all this stuff. Well, it turns out that she never really got that part of the course. Um, <laughs> she's still like, 
really damaged. And yeah. the last time I saw her, she was bringing up stuff from when I was nine and 10 years old and yelling at me. For she's it. still and holding against you. Still holding yeah. stuff against me. And I think that makes her safe. And I remember really, I lost my temper. I really lashed out. I banged my fist on the table and I said, God damn it, mom. All I want to do is love you. And you just won't let me. You mm. won't let me. And I don't know why you won't. Maybe you've got some kind of trip about it. I don't know. Clearly you do, but I, I, I give up. You win. I give up because you pushed me away so hard for so long. I give up. And I feel sad. I still I feel sad that that was her soul's journey this time. I really do. I genuinely do. I, I wish that it had been better. I wish that she had found peace and maybe she has. I hope so. What's does Dane have a relationship with her? Dane and she are very close. Now, see, wow. when I took off, I, um, so when I took off from Florida to finally have my Pippi Longstocking lifestyle, yeah. I bailed. I literally ghosted overnight. I had, you know, like I told you, I had my ba bags packed yeah. when I was six. Here I was 26. So basically they'd been metaphorically packed for 20 years. Yeah. What, why does that come up? Because Dane had his name on the lease and the twins were living with me again. And I was being mom again. And I almost got into a fist fight with my mother about it. I was like, I have to leave. I can't do this anymore. And Dane held the lease on the house. So he was left holding. And it was wrong of me to do that. I, 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 he's never forgiven me. He's never spoken to me again. Wow. Ever. Wow. He got married that fall and he has nothing, nothing to say to me. And I remember when I, I shared with my mom that I apologized to him and she goes, oh, I'm sure that makes you feel much better, doesn't it now? It's just like, God, you just don't miss any opportunity to just snip at me, do you? Yeah. Just everything. So Dane doesn't want to have anything to do with me. I miss him still to this day. Yeah. But, you know, he's chosen his path too. Wow. And he and his mom, my mom are very close. You just said his mom. Yeah, I did. Freudian sleep, <laughs> slip or... It kind of is that way, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Did, well, it he, kind of is like did he have a really different experience with her? I'm guessing not since he stayed with your dad. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We were all living together and my dad came up. He did real well. We lived in a beautiful home with a tennis court and a hot tub. Wow. Like we really had a nice lifestyle. And, and yet it wasn't because dad was working all the time in the house and it was kind of a drag. But anyway, um, Dean was the kingpin of pot. He was selling pot at school and he was smoking weed down on, you know, whatever corner. And my father um, almost shot him one night when he came stumbling in. Um, Cause we had costume, a costume jewelry business. So we had like Fort Knox around the house and, because people don't always know the difference between costume and gold. Yeah. All they see is bright, shiny stuff. Yeah. And he almost shot Dean. And after that, he said, son, you bring your friends home and you party here. And if you don't do that, you're out. And, and like immediately, I mean, no sooner had my dad said the T and out, my brother was on the phone to our mother and he was already arranging to leave. Wow. He, he, he had no intentions of staying there. He was going to do what he wanted to do. And uh, yeah, I, I shared that with my mom last time I talked to her and I said, that's why he came to live with you. And she's like, oh, really? Oh, so your father finally kept his word for once. And I was like, this is not about my dad. She's missing the point. Yeah. Of course she was. She wanted to bash me some more. She's like, oh. uh, yeah. So anyhow, Dane went to live with her. I stayed with dad. And then, um, yeah, went on from there, went to college. And thanks to dad, I could get to college. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. And then uh, ended up in culinary school. I really wanted to go to film school, but ended up in culinary school. Was there a whole cooking career? Oh, God. I'll tell you, Brian. I um, I knew that I wanted to be in film and television yeah. from the time I was young. Yeah. And my father's like, you will finish. And I set a precedence in the school, and I did. And, you know, the freshman of the year and all these accolades. And I was like, I still hate it. And he's like, I don't care. You have a skill now. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I'm good with a glue gun. Maybe I'll give Martha Stewart a run. For <laughs> I seriously thought that, like, maybe I'll be on TV with that. You know, I love doing the fancy stuff. What it did was it enabled me to have that freedom that I was looking for mm. with my chef's knives in my backpack, one way tickets to pl- brand new places. I always knew I could get a job. Yeah. Well, I thought so. That's not what happened when I went no. to Alaska. But that's yeah. a place where I would think it'd be a little bit trickier. Yeah. Not really. What anywhere. Happened? I mean, they have Nordstrom there. It's not like everything's Little House on the Prairie. But um, when I showed up at the uh, at the personnel office in, in, in Denali, Denali National Park is in the middle of nothing. Yeah. It's it's an eight-hour train ride from Anchorage. And I, I, I went up to the front of the line. I gave them my name. And, and, and they looked at the list. They're like, you're not on the list. I said, I know. I didn't apply. They're like, why, why are you here? I said, because people always, there's always no shows in the kitchen. You'll always need help. Well, as far as we know, these jobs are filled. People will be coming in for the next two weeks. You're not an employee. You don't have employee housing. I understand the lodge is full. You don't belong here. Get out of line. Bye-bye. And I was, I was pushed out of line and uh, crying. And this guy comes over to me. Thank God. He said, you know, I, I really heard what happened. So I felt like, you know, somebody cared at yeah. least for a minute, right? And I thought, God, I was so sh- shocked. You know, freshman of the year, most pre- prestigious college in the nation. And and I just got dogged. And um, he goes, look, I have a job. I have a place to sleep. I was like, I'm really happy for you. You know, I'm still <laughs> that girl. I was still like pom-poms, you know, that were a little bit limp. But I was like, good for you, bro. And he said, no, you don't understand. I brought a tent. You can use my tent. And I was like, oh, thank you. Can you show me how to put up a tent? <laughs> <laughs> and so I slept on top of all of my stuff. Uh, CDs and high heels and books don't make very good comfort, no. but uh, the ground was frozen and I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And in the morning, uh, I gave him back his tent, hooked up with some Australians, and off we went. And the Alaskan adventure began. And my pippy long stocking lifestyle was in full force. Is that what led to the Australian adventure as well? Australia. That was that was when not really. Okay. No. Nope. Just a weird coincidence. <laughs> yes. Yes, I never had Australia on my bucket list. It was never, ever something I I thought about doing. But I found myself in in Denver, and it was '08 or '09, and jobs were really scarce. And I was, you know, still uh, very much a, I was functioning, but I was still very much a crackhead. And I was spending whatever money I could on drugs. Oh. And uh huh, I was. And I'd already lost a home, and I'd been in homeless shelters, and I'd been, you know, I. Feet, my foot was broken from running away from a drug dealer boyfriend, and I, like I'd been, I'd been around, right? Yeah. And and the writing was on the wall, and I was like, "Dear God, get me out of here!" And then the phone rang, like not instantly, but like right after that, I had a landline for the first time, and the phone rang, and it was it was this chiropractor that I worked for in Seattle and had a relationship with, and he's he, you know, paid for my way, and like five days, I was down in Australia taking care of his chiropractic office. So, uh, Wild. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I love it there, and I loved it there. Grew the practice by twenty five grand in six months. Just nailed it, killed it. Yeah, and I'm really good at it. You know, not toot my own horn, but he was terrible. The Aussies hated him. He was this disgusting little man from New York who had an attitude with everybody. He had to get a lot of problems. And I was running a front man, so to speak. And I saw a lot of great results in the office. And I was so excited to see people get better. And I was really excited he was going to retire, you know, if I could get a visa approved. But I had to leave. Um, the, the man I married, uh, that didn't work out well. It went to hell in a handbasket on honeymoon. And so I didn't have a spouse visa and I didn't have a work visa. I had to leave. And so I came back to the U.S. I basically threw a dart at the at the map, so to speak, and ended up in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And then uh, so six months later, the visa was approved. So I pulled up everything again, sold it all again, bought a one-way ticket to, Ala uh, to uh, Australia, sorry, and uh, really planned on that being my life. And um, unfortunately, uh, the chiropractor I was working for, remember the entitled guy? Well, he also said... Um, rules don't apply to me. And I said, well, they apply to me. <laughs> I was considered a, an illegal. I had yeah. to leave or yeah. they were going to boot me out. I couldn't go back for five years. So that went to hell too. It was just like, can I just get a break? Yeah. Please. God. So you come back to the States again? Again. Where do you end up this time? I went back to Charleston. Charleston again. Yeah. Yeah. I still have dear friends there. Uh, I, you know, I'm glad I don't live there anymore, but I have great friends in Charleston and Australia. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I do. So how does, how do you get from, I'm trying to get to today now. Gotcha. Cause you, you do, you do have this TV and film piece comes out of you finally. Oh, and, it. and the mess, the whole thing about your message and helping people find there's this all, it's not a lot of time between Australia and now. So what, how does this all happen? To bring so you I to think, where you're at now. That's a great question. Um, I have been a brand ambassador, a promotional model, a spokesmodel for companies like Kellogg's and Buick, um, Unilever, um, on-site sampling chef, you know, chef, um, companies that were launching brands. Mm. That was pickup work that I could do. Even though I was still like a drug addict, I could pick up this, these, this, these jobs and so in, in the year 2000, I started doing that kind of work. And so I would pick up that work wherever I was. I could go be a brand ambassador. And I love promotions. It's a natural for me to promote somebody's stuff. If I go to a party on my own behalf, I can, I can feel like a wallflower. I can put, you know, like, I seriously have introvert in me. Big time. Big time. Yeah. And yeah. So, but if I'm doing it for a reason, parties with a purpose, I'm good. Like I've got a mission now. And so I found that I had that knack on, on other people's behalf. And it, it was often the other people's feedback, you know, Brian, sometimes but it's, it's, it's someone else who gives us feedback that we start to realize what we look like or sound like, or what our talents are, it, as long as it's a qualified resource. Right. And, uh, people were like, would you come work for my company? Cause you're really good at promotion. And I said, mm, yeah, I tried a couple of times and then I realized, I don't really want to do multi-level marketing, but I do enjoy promotion. So uh, being on radio, featuring people that and their stories, I started doing that when I was living in Seattle. I had a TV show, and then I parlayed that into my very first radio show, and that was how I became friends with Mark Hansen, and that's how I ended up working with Mark. He's the Chicken Soup for the Soul co-author. Yeah. And I ended up working with Mark because I was living in Southern California. 
and being the voiceover talent as well as his interviewer on some and this is how long ago this was it was a cassette series so i, I wasn't uh, i'm not gonna allow that to be called so long ago because <laughs> I, I had plenty of cassettes so we'll just that was quite recent yeah let's, uh-huh, we're fine with that track brian nothing wrong with cassettes <laughs> your voice just cracked <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so fun. Anyhow, uh, as, to, as to what I do now, how that happened, how yeah. this has yeah. come about, this natural love of promoting what other people are doing tends to be what I'm good at. Yeah. And and having done so much work from the inside out, realizing happiness is a head trip. Okay. It's where your head's at. Okay. Let me figure that out. And I, I circumvent, not circumvent. I can help other people circumvent, save years of tears because of the path I've taken. I know now where the potholes and pitfalls are. And I have these pithy one-liners that are like, right between the eyes like holy crap that's so true and it, and it saves you a lot of time yeah and so i found myself wanting to help people to circumvent their own sense of pain or or you know lag time but also to feature what they do really well and and i'm driven to do that i absolutely have an insight i call it insights from the outside brian and insights from the outside really this ability to look at somebody and see them differently than they see themselves and, and find ways to articulate that and carve their story into a way that has color and, and character and, and, and um, emotion. It, it's helping them to do what they came to do. And so once again, I'm still that cheerleader, right? I, I, I can't do a split, but I've got some pom-poms right <laughs> Um. Well, so th- this is, this is what's interesting is that's actually how I got to know you was not, you about you it was about in response to my episode coming out it was one of these people who you're helping to to figure out how to tell their story and to support themselves in helping her and then I was like oh who's this woman Alexis and then I was like oh she's been on the show too and then I was like it wasn't about you and so it's like you're you're doing you're doing a lot of telling your own story but actually outwardly you're so much more about supporting others. Like it, you, all of this energy that people are hearing in this episode, you dedicate like 99% of that to the world around you and to picking out those people who have something genuine and helping them get it out there for themselves. It's uh, it's really cool. Thank you. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. It's, just like, it's really rewarding, yeah. but it, but so, it matters. You, you put so much of yourself into that and you like, I've seen how you feel it. You know, it's not, it's not your work. Like it is, but that's not why you're doing it. No, I want to do more of it. I wish I had hundreds of people to work with. I really do. I genuinely want to do more of it. It is so rewarding, Brian. Yeah. I, I can't wait till you hear the before and after of, of how I'm excited telling her story. Yeah, yeah. Ah! Yay! <laughs> that's gonna be great to time. see. Yeah, and it's, well, that's it. Is so I feel like you have a really, you have a really, uh, you have a knack for connecting with people, but it's more like you have a radar for figuring out who the ones are to connect with in the first place, who have that genuineness inside of them, that real story that is going to benefit someone by coming out, and then to help them get that out for themselves, and then for it's like a very pay it forward mentality for all the people who will hear it in that impactful way. 
but it's like you've got this vision to see that in people it's it's really interesting to me to see like as i've now become part of your universe and seeing the people you're connected with they're all like you know i'm I'm gonna oh wow they're amazing oh yeah look at that one they're amazing too and it's like you've spotted all of these people like i gotta pull them in like tractor beams (laughs) it's really cool to watch Oh, that's such great feedback. Thank you. I've also pulled in some real suckers. No, I've been the sucker. I haven't seen I've pulled them. in some real skunks. <laughs> you know, I really have. It's probably been the bane of my existence is, you know, hard on my sleeve. I believe what you're telling me. Um, I've tried really hard to have a radar that's, you know, sensitive, like a Nat's eyebrow, you know, sensitivity to yeah. to the skunks. Because even if you're a rose, if you get around a skunk, you're going to come out stinking because that's what they do is they spray, you know. <laughs> like, but you I have know a theory what? Like, on everything. I think actually there might be in there's skunks everywhere. Yeah. Um, there might be something in them too, though, and it's just not ready to come out. You know. You know, I'm I'm really glad you said that, Brian. And and the reason that is it, it, it I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's 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 okay. as inspiring as I'm going to get for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I say that I had my I literally have a pair of rose-colored glasses. And um, I just got them the other day. I call, they're my disco shades because I'm nice. still a raver. Nice. Okay. Um, but yeah. But but metaphorically, my rose-colored glasses came crashing down one night. It was the night I was going to go to be on the Tyra Banks show. Wow. And I was and I was partying like I was, you know, still smoking dope with my friend Nikki, the drama drag queen. And Nikki would always break into the same refrain of a Judy Garland song, and he would tease with the drugs and hold them back, and he would just be like such a jerk. And and I was like, dude, I have to go. I have to get to bed so I can get up and go on the plane to go to the Tower Bank show. And he would just prolong. He enjoyed making misery happen. And at one point he said, and this is when the gra- you could hear the crash of my glasses. He said, listen here, not everybody's here on this planet to be a goody two-shoes like you. Not everybody's here to be light and happy. In fact, what makes you think that your way is right and mine's wrong? And for once he shut up. And during that pause, I really thought about it. And he said, how do you know that I wasn't placed in your life to teach you some very important lesson? That my way is just as right as yours. And I'll see you in hell, bitch. And he went off, go off and run another Judy Garland song. Mm. And that moment, Brian, was, was earth shattering to me. Because I thought, oh, my God. Not everybody's here struggling to claw their way back out of the, you know, the pile of crap that their parents put on them. Not everybody's trying to do good in life. Not everybody means well. Yeah. Oh, no. And, and that was just such a, such a slam in the head. Like, holy crap, what do I do with that? Mm. And, and so the reason that I say I'm glad I, that you brought up that part about the people that are skunks is because whenever there's darkness, whenever there's an enemy, I have this expression, it's time to love away our enemies. It's the only way we can get rid of things is we have to love away our enemies. And they, and I believe that they've been, they come up, that they're showing themselves because they're full of darkness too. And they need love. And yeah. I don't necessarily have to go embrace a skunk, yeah. but I need to not judge it. Yes. I don't know what somebody's path is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, that, I, that's, I think that's spot on. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know. And I I really, you remember I told you I got to the place where deciding that my mother was, you know, like she did a great job. Bravo. Take a bow. 
um, the roles that people play in our lives. I genuinely believe that that that's the case. Yeah. And and so it's not for me to decide that someone's trip is right or wrong or good or bad. I just have to decide, do I want more of this or less of this? Mm. Is this a big yes or is this not? You yeah. know, it's one or the other. Yeah. Pick, pick one and, and move toward it or away from it. Yeah. It's that simple. And that, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So when I, when I see somebody like the other day, there's some posts on, and this is not a favorable attitude that I have now. I don't even believe that we have to forgive because if we, if we don't see there's anything wrong been done, there's no need to forgive. Oh, that's really interesting. That's really, really interesting. It a lot of feathers, man. People aren't happy with that one. But what I've, and the reason I've decided to come out with that, if you will, is, is because people get hung up on forgiveness. And, and, and I say, you know what? You may never forgive the person who hurt you, but if you can accept what happened, just accept it and you can move forward. And, and then, then your success can happen. And that's where I'm coming in. That's where I want to help you. I want to help you untie those cement shoes. So you can get up in that hot air balloon. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's a good goal in life. I like that. Untie the cement shoes yep. to get up in the hot air balloon. Yep. Um, yep. yep. That and, note. And yeah. So, so often forgiveness is an issue for people. They're hung up on their past. Mm. And I'm like, drop the bag of rocks here. Let me help you. We'll put those bricks on the side. Let me get, if you had three, if you had three rocks in your socks and one of them was taken out, you'd feel the difference, right? Yeah. Totally you would. I, I'm all about removing rocks from socks and boulders from shoulders. Because once when rhymes. you just, right? Well, there's that. Yeah, yeah. It's also very, very true. I've, I've made out this really cool map. I'm, I'm about to finish it. It's in a doodly cartoon. I'm so excited to launch this, Brian, because it, it, it literally maps somebody walking through the woods and the monkeys and the skunks and the, and don't pull burrows up the hill. It'll make you tired. It pisses them off. And like, you know, we end up doing that. We end up trying to pull people along. Come on, let's do this together. Well, hell with it. They're either in or they're out next. And, 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 you know, all the different facets of life. And there's a guru in it. And there's, there's the long path and the long journey. And then there's a zip line. You can take the zip line. You just didn't know it. You know, like there's this whole map I've made mm. so that people can figure out where they're at in it. And then I can really pinpoint it and go, okay, this is the part where we can, we can untie that, that part of your, you know, your, your cement shoes, if you will, so that they can get forward faster and have a better time gosh if we're gonna have to be here we might as well party yeah yeah (laughs) that's a fair point so i think you you've so you've blown me away uh honestly this last piece about like forgiveness and if you're forgiving that does mean that you're stuck on what's happened you haven't accepted it recognizing the value in it instead of keeping it in that bad place so that you have something to forgive. If you really see that people have played a role in our, in your life, in a, in a pre-birth agreement, you can just go, Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Instead of you're done forgiven. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Uh, it's so freeing. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> well, and for anyone who's saying that's impossible, they've heard honestly, just a snippet of what you've actually been through in life. Um, yeah. and we spent a lot of time in the earlier years cause they're big and they're impactful, but then we blew through some of the later years and you dropped like the drug addiction and the, like all kinds of other stuff that we mentioned in like three seconds, <laughs> you, you've had of a, you've had a lot of experience to be able to say yes. that you can be done yes. and you can appreciate the impact yes. that it had instead of having something to for- give forgiveness to. Thanks um, Brian. That's a really good way to weave that back together. It's true. I did. I, you're right. 
and there there has been i've had a lot of experience yeah. to, to say okay let's just forgive that too yeah it's a choice i keep you know i the same point i made at the beginning and um no one ever said it's easy you wouldn't be here if it wasn't yeah. a choice though i'll tell you what uh brian uh, um quite honestly um it wasn't i still have my moments sure, and sure. um so you know dealing with some really deep-seated self-loathing, really bad. And in this particular moment I'm thinking of, I took, um, so it takes half of a sleeping pill to put me to sleep. And this voice said, just go ahead and take a bunch of them. And I took 20 of them and uh-huh, I did. And I prepared my house. I, I left a note. I, um, I took the trash out. I felt bad for the guy that was going to come to my apartment and find me, but I was done. And as I stumbled around the apartment and I said, I played the music that I, Tiesto with uh, Sarah McLaughlin, that's my funeral song. I played that on repeat and I laid down and I said, Jesus, take the wheel. If I'm supposed to make it, I'll make it. I wasn't scared. No alert. No, no worries. I've done cries for help before. This was different. And I just said, if I'm supposed to make it this time through this, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm never going to look back on having that deep of a, of a, I wish I was dead again. I've had that so much of my life. So much self-hatred. You wouldn't even know. Oh my God. So much. Wow. But because of that, now if somebody said, well, it's made you who you are, be like, no, I made it. I made who I am. Yeah. Much more powerful and true. Yeah. Yeah. Life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Again, firsthand experience that I don't think anyone can touch. You've had more than enough of it to know that what you're saying is real. Wow. We get to decide what we want to be. Yeah. Um, Alexis, what we we could honestly like this could be six hours long. Um, what are you up to other than than the doodle that you're going to come out with? What else yes. are you working on right now? Because we do need to bring this to a close, and and I think you've blown enough people away that. <laughs> We got it. Where, where, what's going on with you and where can people grow from what you're doing? I appreciate that so much. And if, if you, if you guys are still listening, thank you for still listening. If you, ha- I really want to, okay, there's two things, Brian. Tell I them. really want to draw people in that have been hiding, cowering in the corner or the closet. I am, I'm comfortable with people that are alternative. I don't care if you're transgender. I don't care if you wear a blue eyeshadow, dude, I don't care. I had a listen to cassettes, like, like whatever it might be. Pardon? Listening to cassettes or whatever they might yes. be doing. Yeah. <laughs> no judgment at all. <laughs> at all. Whatever it is that, that somebody's journey has taken them to and through, I want to help them by, by crafting their story. Because sometimes all you have to do is be heard once mm. and understood and accepted. Sometimes you came here to move that mountain. And, and, and I call it saying it forward. Mm. And I want to help people say it forward. I genuinely do. So let your freak fly fly with me, baby, because I'm happy to have the people that think they're not okay, that they're not accepted, that they're part of the, the, you know, the fringe, please come find me. Um, The other thing that I'm working on, I'm so excited is I'm helping, um, helping someone to get a TV show off the ground and also myself. Uh, I'm not sure if midlife, my ass, the tour was going to take off or not. I hope so. Uh, but I have this vision and it hit me twice and I was sitting on the sofa of the Ellen show telling her, uh, and we were looking at clips from the, from the pilot 
I've, look, I've been on Steve Harvey and, and Tyra. This is not a claim for fame. Yeah. This is using television at its finest to be able to broadcast a message. Come on, Betty, get off the sofa. Because I believe you can make the rest of your life the best of your life and that it should not take the rest of your life to do it. And and I'm I'm here to say, let me show you the way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And we're going to do that by having like tuck your bucket list under your shoulder, under your arm, girl, let's go. And, and let's have this TV show. So I genuinely just need, Five grand might as well be a million at the moment, Brian, but maybe, uh, you know, just an extra five grand to get this pilot produced and get this show off the ground, off the ground. I really want to do this. It, it is my passion and it would be so much fun. So those are the two projects I'm working on at the moment. Awesome. Uh-huh. And then I have this um, automated webinar that uh, automated program, an automated program helping people. To, they don't know how to get on podcasts. Yeah. And I want to, I want to teach them. So here, it's all in a package here. Go. And then if you need more help, I'm right here. I'll help you. To get on podcasts or to launch yes. a podcast? To get on so to podcasts. Be, so it ties to this whole, like, figure out your story, how to tell it, get your word yes. out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I believe that we all have lived to tell about our stories. And, so, and for those who want to, if you aspire to inspire, I can help you. Nice. I really want to. Yeah. And being a guest is so much easier than being a host. Well, I don't think anyone's focused on really making good guests. There's a million and one things out there like here's how to launch a podcast and here's, you know, in a, in a can, like here's everything you need. Um, that's the focus not on guests and how to make for a good guest. It takes work. I, I've, it does. And I've, it really does. And somebody's recently, he's coming out with a program teaching him both interviewing skills and, and guest skills, which is important. Not just because you can talk doesn't make you a good interviewer any more than being able to bounce a ball makes you a great ball player. Yeah. And, and that a lot of people don't realize that, that, that they need that help. Mm. So, so it's really a battle, Brian, for, for raising awareness. You know, te technically in marketing, you want to serve a, a need, not create a demand. But, you know, so there's the challenge is. Guys, come on. There's a better way to speak your truth. Yeah. Let me help you do that. So it works for you when you're on a show, when you're when you're in the bank line, whenever you're networking. There's many ways to share your story. How about making it effective yeah. and impactful? Yeah. So I'm going to be totally honest with you. The bank line one is sticking with me. I've got Good. like, yeah, it's really funny. Um, Good. I don't. I don't feel like I struggle with, okay, I'm on stage or I'm on a show. And I need to be able to tell my story. Like for some reason I'm comfortable with that, but the casual one where people are like, Oh, what's your book about? I feel like I stumble on my words. I trip on myself. I'm like, I ramble about it. And it's like, wait, I can do this on the radio. Like no problem. And, and now like someone I know that I'm seeing, you know, like an old college friend or whatever. And I'm like, uh, this <laughs> that should be the easier one, but I struggle more. I don't know why, but that's so when you said about like being in the bank line, it's like, I, for me, it's actually the postal, the, the post office, literally, yeah. that's where the first one happened where I was like, what did I just do? Like, why yeah. did I have so much trouble with that? So when you said that, like, that's the one that's resonating with me. Oh, it, it, I can totally understand why. And I've literally had my stops and starts too. And what would normally seem like a, a easy situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but it really, so a woman came to me the other day, Brian, and she said, everybody thinks that I have it all, I'm, I, I have it all put together. And I said, why do they think that? She, and she said, cause I don't share anything. I, mm. I don't say anything. And, and, and I, I need to, I need to. And I said, okay, okay. 
She said, how do you do it? You just walk up to somebody. You can't just vomit your story on them. Yeah. He said, okay, I got you. So let's figure, let's see what, let's figure out what the results are that you want from that conversation. Mm. Because if you want your downline to, to feel a certain way about you, if you want to show a certain side of you with your, your multi-level marketing downline, then that's a different way than, than, uh, you know, what do you want? But in a bank line or any, you know, a, a networking party, let's, let's use the bank line and or post office. Let's use the post office line. Yeah. How do you start a conversation? Because that's an opportunity just waiting there. And so what I do is I will kind of like look back at the line and I'll see if anybody will catch my eye if they're within, you know, talking range, hearing range. And I'll say, so aside from waiting in long lines and wasting your time, what do you like to do for fun? And I wait and I pause and then they laugh and I say, yeah, it's, it's, so what else is on you? And it just starts small talk. Yeah. Because our, what, what is our common denominator right then and there? We're both waiting in line, probably want to do something else. Yeah. And, and that is an icebreaker. That's a technique that works no matter where you go. Mm. Yeah. And then when people say, so what do you do? I usually find out what they do first and then I'll, I'll, I'll steer the story into that so, oh, you, uh, so you're in, uh, you're in uh, insurance. Yeah, you know, you know how you guys have those trade shows every year. Yeah, and you know how you have to come up with something. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, I help people do that. Mm. I actually have a promotional products company, so I help people to come up with creative solutions and and branded messages that stay in hand long after the doors have closed. Yeah, my wheels turning. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the, I get it. I get it. And I yeah. love how you just like connected it back to their life because then they're going to care. That's what you do, uh, baby. That's what you do every time. And I'm free to work with you. No, I'm not free, but I'm happy no, to work with you. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Available to. Yes. Yes. Because yeah. I, I have seen you struggle. I have. So and, have and I, I can see why. You've, you've got, a, you're, you're, you've, got a, a, you've got a tricky topic. You're, you're actually on my mind quite a bit, actually. I'm. I was going to come up with something and just kind of throw it out at you. It's like, well, try this. We'll have to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't thank you enough for giving me your time. This oh, is, uh, this is awesome. I, and yeah, like I, I felt like I was prepared for your story and some of it I've heard before, but there's so much to it. There's no way I could have heard all of it before. And I'm, I'm floored and I'm floored um, mostly in awe of who you are today. And, the, and I love the reminder for everybody because we all go through different things. You've sort of gone through all of those different things. And yet here you are and you're dedicated to helping others, you know, find who they are and pull that out and, and let it shine. And that is an amazing way to live your life. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Are you ready to help me close things out? I am. All right. Today is a new day. Well, I'm doing it. What I would... Honestly, one of the best things you can do with your day, guys, is ask this question at the beginning or when things when the shit really hits the fan. And that is simply this. How can I have more fun today than I ever thought possible? Take that. When you have that, when you and it's effortless, Brian, at the end of the day, you'll be like, oh, my God, I didn't ever expect this to be fun. And it was actually a good day. It works. It works on its own. It really does. And I tell you what, I used to be mad at people when they were happy. I thought they were faking. So believe me, this is a big leap for me. Nice. Big yeah. How can I have more fun today than I ever thought possible? I'm going to use it. Do it. Wake up tomorrow. I'm doing it. I'm writing that down and I'm using it. It really does. Alexis, you are amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. 
It's been a pleasure. Wow. So much to take in from that. Uh, you know, like I said in the intro, huge story, lots of twists and turns. The big thing is the instability, the pain, that consistent feeling that you're not good enough, you don't belong here, you're not wanted. And it led to that choice for Lonnie to create her life. I love this recurring theme around, you know, it's not that these experiences make us who we are. It's not that, you know, um, they did, like she said, they, she did the best, you know, your mom did the best she could and, um, you know, it made you who you are and it made you stronger for it. And it, no, Lonnie made herself stronger for it. How she lived through that, how she processed it, afterward how she lives in relation to it the choices she makes the way she feels about it all of it the work she does with others that's what she created no one did that to or for her she's the master of her life and that can be really hard to feel when you're in the throes of someone else uh you know kind of <laughs> choosing these less than ideal at best um, or horribly traumatic at worst situations to put you in uh, yet here she is please do check out everything Lonnie's doing her new site is 2020storycoach.com 2020storycoach.com and her promotional company promotional angels you can check that out too um, really really cool stuff she's fun and I have seen what she's done for people who needed help with their story we talked about one or two on the show, but I've seen even more. She knows her stuff, no question. If, you, if you're thinking about getting your story out and you want some help with that, if you want some help crafting how to tell it and finding the power in it, she's your girl for sure. She's your girl for sure. So check out Lonnie Ray, 2020 Story Coach, Promotional Angels, both.com, 2020storycoach.com, Promotional Angels, so check out Lonnie Ray at 2020storycoach.com or promotionalangels.com, depending what service you are interested in. And hey, it's coming, the 50, 75, 100 solution, build better relationships. My next book, it's about this whole approach that I've been working on for the past few years. I've been sharing in select audiences like my second TEDx. Uh, I'm so excited to bring this book out. You gotta, you gotta find out when it's coming out. You gotta stay up to date. You need to help me with that book launch so we can make this a number one bestseller, like Do a Day got to be, which took the support of my amazing network of families, friends, listeners, which I didn't have when Do a Day came out, but I have you now. Join in, help support the movement, but most importantly, help support what you're going through. Look, we all have relationships. They could all work better. Some aren't working so well. And it would serve us better if they did, even somewhat. And some are working well. But wouldn't it be better if they were even stronger, even more supportive, even more positive? So no matter what kind of relationships you have, no matter the level of struggle you do or don't have or dysfunction that is or isn't present in them, we can all benefit from making our relationships stronger. Relationships are how the world works, is how we interact with each other it's how we get things done it's how we show our love it's how we receive our love they're crucial for everybody there is no one who lacks at least one relationship so 
you got to check out the 50-75-100 solution. If you're not signed up for my updates, that's the easiest way to get it. So just go to brianfalchuk.com and that little box will pop up or you can click on the link to sign up for updates. Actually, you can go to brianfalchuk.com slash sign up. If you want to cut out the middleman and just go right to signing up, just do that. Uh, and of course, I would always love your comments and feedback about everything I do here on iTunes, around the Do A Day podcast. You can message me anywhere. I'm all over social media as at Brian Falchuk. I want to hear from you guys. It matters to me. And I want your ideas about what could I do to help inspire you and move you forward in what you're facing. So I'm going to stop there. Check out Lonnie. Check out me. Sign up for those updates. I don't want you to miss the 50-75-100 solution. It's not a huge book. It's not hard to take in, but I hope you find some beauty in it. And everyone that has seen the pre-work of it, that's seen the draft or the TEDx, they're talking about bringing it into their lives, and that's the whole point. Have a great day, everyone.